Doctors Jeff and Susan Gegaris have spent the last 26 years growing both Cool Springs Eye Care and Donaldson Eye Care to the industry-leading optometric practices they are today. Striving to provide the absolute best healthcare experience possible, the Kegarises authored their first book, One Patient at a Time. With eight chapters and 135 lessons, you'll quickly see why One Patient at a Time is currently the number one new healthcare released book on Amazon. Pick up your copy of One Patient at a Time today. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening to this podcast. This is Dr. Jeff Kegris coming to you from Cool Springs Eye Care, representing Cool Springs Eye Care and Donaldson Eye Care in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm excited to have you join us for As I See It one more week. This week, I'm very excited. It really was tough for me to streamline what I wanted to ask and dig into with my guest today. My guest is Shara Carter. She runs Shara Smile, a behavioral counseling center here in Franklin, Tennessee. And I guess my introduction to this is we care about kids and their development, both visually, physically, and mentally. In our vision therapy practices here, we're often faced at the outset with two subgroups of kids, particularly early teens. One who is very intellectually smart, yet struggles to achieve what parents feel they should be doing academically. The second are those kids for whom reading and studying has just always been a struggle. Concentration may be difficult, if not a painful pursuit for both the child and the parent. Now, we want to eliminate or minimize visual function problems, and we do that in our therapy practices. But that's a multidisciplinary approach, and we've started to deal more and more with somebody like Shara, who's a friend of the practice, who we send patients to for other issues that may be behavioral, may be learning-related, that can affect uh, student performance, academic performance, and quite frankly, student confidence in life. So I want to dig deeper with Shara Carter today to understand what she sees in her patients and our patients. So Shara, welcome to As I See It. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. We are appreciative of you sharing your experience and expertise with us. So let's start with a few of those basics, a little bit about you. You have a lot of initials after your name, and Mm. I'm not even sure sometimes what all those initials are, but I know (laughs) that they took work to achieve. So um, you're a licensed professional counselor. You have a master's in education, correct? Education and counseling. Education Mm -hmm. and counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, And those only kind of scratch the surface. Let's go back a little bit farther than that. This is not your first rodeo here in Nashville. You went to MTSU, right? I did. Tell me how you evolved into all this. So my family, my dad's side of the family is from East Tennessee, Morristown, and most specifically Dandridge. So um, we lived a lot of different places and uh, landed in Morristown, Tennessee when I was in middle school. Took a little detour to Saudi Arabia for a year. Just a, <laughs> that's traveling and, a little farther east than most people right. do from Dandridge. And then, and then we came on back to Morristown for uh, the rest of middle school and high school. And when I was graduating, I decided I wanted uh, to go a little further away than UT, 
most of my friends went to UT, but I wanted an equestrian program. Mm. I wanted to go into education and I wanted to kind of be far enough away so I didn't have to visit every weekend. Mm -hmm. So MTSU was a really good fit for me. And um, I didn't end up going on to the equestrian program, but I did um, study education. I uh, got my master's in special education. I mean, I'm sorry, my uh, I'm thinking bachelor master's. degree, bachelor's. Yeah, yes, yeah, sure. Um, I majored in special education. When you got minor. a lot of initials after your name, it's <laughs> like, tough even for a, you this is to a ways remember. Back, right? Ways back, right? <laughs> And I minored in elementary ed, so okay, okay. Um, and I did um, also got a lot of leadership skills in my sorority, Zeta Tau Alpha, okay. on MTSU campus. Yep. Gotcha. Very good. Yep. Very good. Zetas. Oh, yeah. 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 Very good. Okay, so you graduated, though, and you went off to the Northeast or the Mid-Atlantic to start. Is that correct well, actually, or not, not true? After I graduated, I did a little more traveling. I traveled mm-hmm. in a group called Up With People, but that's oh, kind of yeah. beside the point. So I love singing and dancing and is love that, the arts. Is that my Up, up With People? Yes, the, it is. Up, da, 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 up people With we People. Know. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you break out in song right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be a visual. Yes. <laughs> program. Um, so I, I, I traveled and they came back and I actually got my first job in Rutherford County schools, mm-hmm. worked in Smyrna elementary school okay. and special education. So okay. as a teacher, um, for four years. And then that's when I decided I wanted a change. I thought about getting out of education and I moved to Annapolis, Maryland for a mm-hmm. year to be closer to my family. My brother and my sister-in-law lived there and, um, tried to get into event management did a lot of different jobs there, ended up working um, for a church in McLean, Virginia, mm-hmm. in their creative arts department. Because of your big passion in the arts, My passion right? in the right. arts, right. Yeah. So I had actually done career counseling before I moved um, to Maryland, and and event management in the arts was one of the, the areas that they they thought maybe I should look at. So I was looking in the event management field. I ended up at a a mega church. And then I went from the mega church in the creative arts department to working in the corporate corporate world Mm -hmm. at SAIC. So I did some events there as well as some administrative work. So after six years away from education, I just really felt the need to be really hands-on with people again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I miss the students and I miss my teaching. And I just thought, you know, I need to go with this career search of mine. I need to go back to basics. And so I went back to, I got a job in Fairfax County Public Schools Mm -hmm. um, in working as a teacher in fifth grade and stayed as a teacher for many, many, many years while I sought out what my next step, my master's would be. And then one day I had a light bulb go off and it was counseling. Okay. So then I got my master's in counseling. Gotcha. I think at Virginia Tech, am yes. I correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. Down there. Yep. So, so technically you're a little bit of a hokey. Is yep, that right? I right? Am. Down in southwestern <laughs> Virginia? Little, yep, absolutely. So you're, you're counseling now and, and doing a, a number of those things, which we'll get into a little bit more. But how does your varied background, some people go straight out of school and join a group and they're part of, they're, they're just counseling all the time. But, but you're background has been enriched with one being a little more worldly traveling the world doing things mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. having to uh, be a teacher be an event planner be mm-hmm. i mean seeing the corporate side missing mm-hmm. kind of following going I'm, I'm not i like i'm do, i'm good at my job but i need to be more fulfilled going back with kids mm-hmm. with students so how do you think or maybe i just mentioned how <laughs> that is beneficial you tried it all together i tried okay for so me, next Dr. question Jeff. no no so <laughs> well no, i do I, feel that um 
one of the things that I do, I am passionate about is helping people find their, their way. And, and that might be finding their way emotionally or in a relationship. It might be also finding their way in career, um, because, because of my diverse career path. Mm -hmm. And I love that I'm able to be where I am now and I can help people along the way because, because I've been able to, to travel that, that path. But I also, because of my teaching experience and working, even before I was a teacher, I was working in youth ministry and I was working even before that with, if, with young people in my, um, of course, in my education with kids with special needs. So, Mm -hmm. and before that, you know, babysitting. So I was always working with young people and families and I was always drawn to kids that didn't necessarily fit the norm, whether it was in behavior or in learning. And, um, and that then draws you to looking at home situations and parents and relationships and how that system works together at home and how that impacts a student in the classroom. So you, you know, kind of have to peel off those layers, yeah, don't you, yeah, to really get yeah. to start to improve that. Yeah. If there's a wound, let's say. Right. 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 So that piece of my experience I love to use, whether it's with adults mm-hmm. or with um, or, or with my young people that I work with in, in their counseling, um, you know, really being able to look at their background and their experience and um, and their family systems, right? Yeah. And, their, and their work experiences, so if they're adults, so. So we see, staying on that theme of kind of peeling the layers, getting into root causes, we see a lot of kids that teens, in fact, that are maybe misdiagnosed or conveniently diagnosed as ADD, mm-hmm. ADHD, mm-hmm. when some of their difficulties are they've got visual processing or visual learning or visual motor skill problems. Mm-hmm. And what they're looking at on the page is not what maybe you or I are looking at, think about. And so we have to get down to the basics of visual processing, et cetera, to make somebody uh, to help them in that, to to build their confidence. But we also recognize that there's more to that than just vision. And that's where, where you come in um, as I'm sure you see people that have more of the uh, ADHD, ADD mm-hmm. diagnosis, many mm-hmm. accurately, and some it just I needed to put you somewhere, and that's what we're, mm-hmm. we're calling this. So how do you get to root causes of some of those behavioral issues? Are there tests that do that? Is it more conversation with you? Is it a combination? So with me, I would definitely be talking to parents and talking. If, if the, the, the ch- young person is my is my client, I'd be talking to the young person. Um, so I do a lot of conversation, a lot of talk therapy. We might be doing some other things as well, but um, because of my experience in the school system and especially with special education, and, and I was a high school counselor as well, um, and, and knowing the ins and outs in the educational system, I'm able to oftentimes help guide parents through what that might look like on the education side and what that how long that process might take. Um, a, a clinical psychologist would I would be referring out to do some of the testing, but school systems do testing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be suggesting that, of course, talking to the high school counselors. The high school counselors have you know, just as much training as I do. So, and they're in, in the school and they know their particular school culture. So there's a lot of uh, guidance that I can do and, and assistance in educating a parent and kind of holding their hands through the process. 
Um, but ADHD is a common go-to when a student has a hard time focusing in the classroom. But And you know as much as I do that there are so many reasons a student may not be able to concentrate. So it's hard. I do think it's so hard. I know for myself, for a teacher to be able to to peel back all of those layers because they've got so much to look at and so many students to think about. And I know it was really hard for me when I had students misbehaving to, to process through all the details. Um, So there are, there, I mean, there could be neglect at home. There could be a lack of basic needs. You mentioned vision, hearing, Mm -hmm. there could be social issues, bullying, or not even like, official bullying, but just social issues. Um, We've been talking more uh, about uh, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, that a parent or a student may not even be aware of, of that could have caused a capital T trauma or a little t trauma in a, a student's life. They may not even be aware of that in their, it might be Mm -hmm. buried, right? And so that could create a difficulty for concentration. Autism is a, has a very wide spectrum of a a student might have a difficulty filtering out visual or audiological or tactile stimuli. So it might be difficult for them to focus on a task at hand. Mm -hmm. There's so many barriers to learning and the, the, the traditional classroom is so full of all of those things, right? The visual, the right. the, the, the audiological, the tactile, um, and even sometimes um, smell, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's <laughs> funny that you say that because today we had a representative from one of the companies bring in lunch, which the staff always really likes. Hey, thanks for a little education brown bag session. But they brought in Chinese food, and so this whole office to me smells. Like, I can't get over the. It smells like P.F. Chang's in here, which is a, a nice smell if you're eating Just there, but very not, necess- distracting to not you. necessarily. Yeah, when we're doing a podcast, I'm mm. going. Do I smell like you know? Low main. Oh my. <laughs> Any, anyway, oh, so, so those are yeah, but so, those, so some. I think it's really hard for for parents um, and some. I would even say sometimes as a teacher to recognize that sm- things that small could make an impact on a student's learning and mm-hmm. ability for a student to focus. But they do. Your your background and and creativity and and love of the arts allows you to incorporate some other pretty novel things, incorporating the arts in some of your therapy. Mm-hmm. Is that just for people that have an interest in that area? Or do you find out that, that that's another angle that is a kind of a, a nice arrow in your quiver that helps? It's, it's more uh, an arrow in my quiver. So I really allow, I really like to allow a client to kind of direct um, what they're comfortable with. And, and I might throw something out there and they might say that they're comfortable with something, but I can tell they're maybe not. So we might kind of back up a little bit. It's really, really important in the therapeutic um, environment for someone to be, feel safe, feel heard, feel understood. And so you know, I have found that young people are a little bit more open as adults. We we kind of come in with preconceived ideas of what is therapy and, and what should this thing look like. Some people have no idea, which I love that as well. Um, but young people are a little bit more open to some creative ways. And, and usually with creativity and creative uh, bringing in like maybe music or YouTube or movement um, or color or art or something – where they may not have the words for it, but they can play you a song. They may right. not have the words for it, but they could draw a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not have the words for it, but they can write a poem. 
And then you have that as a, a jump, a springboard to further discuss what does this mean to you? And when did this first stand out to you? And tell me about the line and that lyric and the way the guitar is strummed or the way that person is singing that's meaningful to you. So there's so many different avenues for discussion when it comes to the arts sure. and, um, and yeah, I just, I'll, I'll use any little tool in my tool belt to kind of open. That's open pretty someone neat. Up. Pretty neat. If you're just joining me, we're talking with Shara Carter, who is a licensed professional counselor, practices in Franklin at her practice, Share a Smile. She's a friend of the practice and a person that we look to for helping our people and patients with many of life's struggles, issues, and dilemmas, and in cooperating with us on many of our vision therapy needs and visual processing patients. So I want to go through a few of the services that are available, Shara, that you that you offer. So mm-hmm. let's start with teens. All yep. right. It's not getting easier to be a teenager. No. And it's also difficult because it's quite a different teenage experience than what parents and certainly grandparents experienced, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For a whole host of reasons. But w- what issues do you see that affect teenagers when it comes to peer pressure and acceptance that might be uniquely different now in a virtual world mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, that, we didn't really think about. Right. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give a three second pause on that one. Okay. Because I think your listeners probably have their own idea. I want the, everybody else to think, hmm. And I'm probably going to say what you're thinking, which is social media and screens, right? So social media, our screens on our phones, our screens on our computers, our screens on our TVs. I mean, we've had the TV for a long time, but the way we use the TV in the home and the way we use the computer screen in the home is so vastly different. And it's so hard to get away from a screen. So that screen is always there um, in a young person's hand, whether it's a message coming in from a group of friends or a friend, giving them a message that's positive. But a lot of times it can be something quick and it can be something mean and something very cutting. It's very easy for young people to compile and create group chats, group texts, you know, with Snapchat and with so many other areas of social media to just send, you know, you don't really think through things. It's Mm -hmm. just easy. It's quick. It's fast. And it's really hard to get away from. Mm -hmm. And it's often very hard for uh, a young person maybe to have a sense of privacy if, or have a sense of an end of something if if it's been blown up in their social circles, a mistake they made or, or you know, a picture that was taken or, or something that was shared. It's hard to get away from that and, and allow it to, to die down and end because someone on another end could just pick up a phone, pick up a screen and shoot something out. So um, I, social media, there are a lot of positives, but I think that that uh, is really impacting our young people in a lot of ways, it's very, very difficult for them. It's interesting because when you think about it in a, what, what now seems so benign, uh, when, certainly when I was growing up, it was a hundred years ago or so, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you can't have your kids watch too much TV. That, that stimulation and that, you know, it's like that was the entertainment instead. And then, but TV now, we don't think, oh, it could be too much TV, but we think about what the content on those vehicles are, what the content of those uh, texts, Instagrams, TikToks mm-hmm. might be, mm-hmm. and, and its uh, adverse effects. I mean, mm-hmm. the other thing is, I think, and I, I see this even on message boards, and you know, I follow this national, a, a few football message boards and this, 
it's very easy for people even if they're not completely anonymous, to have this sense of anonymity, yes. like they're a whole lot tougher and oh, they're right. a whole lot, they say whatever they want with okay. no filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenagers already don't have as many filters, mm-hmm. right? They mm-hmm. haven't kind of learned that art of discretion maybe. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, I, it's because I can, their brain is still forming. That you, is you, correct. Right. That is correct. That? Yeah. Yes. And she was looking at me going, and most males' brains are still forming even at your age, <laughs> No, <laughs> I was actually thinking, you know, the same yeah. goes for yeah. adults, right? Right, right? I mean, with, with the social media and, and the, the media. Of it and when you're away from it, you start. Um, and if there are any parents out there that are denying this, you're you're denying the truth. I think if there's something you're really into, and you're listening to it, watching it, uh, you follow it on a thread, and you and you haven't checked it in the last day or six hours or two hours, you know, it could be just even the news. There's this compelling desire to get back to it. Oh, I gotta, I've got to check it out to see if I miss something. Imagine you're a teenager, and it's not my area, especially being I can only get imagined as a teenager. I got to get back there and see what people have said. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? Who are they talking about? Do they say anything about me? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I being perceived? Oh, I got to defend myself. Exactly. No, I don't. I mean, exactly. unbelievable. And what a distraction from just being a kid. And right. it's tough enough. Just with with all those hormonal changes and everything else going on, Thanks. let alone these type of things. Right, so, exactly. Gosh, exactly. Anyway, okay. So that's tough on parents, though, too, right? Yes. Because parents have to deal with this. You deal with a number of families and you deal with parents yes. that may say, I need your help in being a better parent or understanding yes. this with my child. I'm I'm kind of at my wit's end, hopefully not to that point, but I need some help. This is not trending the right way. Yes. So, so I'll explain a little bit about how I work with young people and how I work with um, parents. Uh, so if if I'm working with the, the teenager, the young person as my client, right, then it's really nice because then I'm able to, I need to bring in parents at some point in time, either individually or together um, and both um, at some point. But I'm always tr- working at a lens from understanding the my client who is the the teenager young person um and and voicing their kind of voicing from their lens if i'm talking with parents but because i'm straddling the fence because i am an adult and i do think with an adult brain and i am a a counselor um i'm trying to bridge the gap so i like to see myself as kind of a a, an interpreter a translator Mm -hmm. a teacher a guide um so uh, as I listen to the, the the young person, the student, and processing how they're interpreting their world, how they're interpreting what their experience and their feelings are, and then I'll um, I'll bring parents in and I'll listen to how they're processing the information, how they're communicating, how they're experiencing their young person, and then I I really try to help build understanding between the two and build that bridge and educate both sides. Um, because we're when we're inside the relationship, sometimes our emotions, strong emotions, blind us to other aspects of what might be going on. When you're so close, like if you were to put your hand on your nose right now, right? You can't see all the lines on your hand. You can't see all the details. And that's what it's like inside these relationships. You're so close in them. You can't, you can't think through it. It's harder to think through it in a, in a logical way. And those emotions really make it difficult to, to think with your prefrontal cortex, to think logically. So I come in 
and because I'm not emotionally involved, mm-hmm. I am able to, or a counselor, any counselor is more able to think through all, all of the aspects, right? And like dig into um, the past of a parent as well as the past of their, their uh, client as the young person and really try to connect the dots and bring some things about that maybe these individuals haven't thought about before um, and bring about different approaches, different ways to communicate, um, different ways of thinking about things uh, from the other person's perspective. So, yeah, I like to think of myself as kind of that bridge mm-hmm. between the two. Now, when I'm less of an, a, a, an a, the authority, I know perfection and more of a I'm your guide. I like, you, I like ex- that along, yeah. the, along the way. Yeah. There is no one way. To make this no, exactly right. No, right? because we're all different. Yeah. We're all so different. And we're all working from such a variety of life experiences, right? Like our fingerprints are unique in and of themselves. And how much more unique and special and different are our 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 feelings and our the Needs way we think wants. through those, right, right? The right. way we think through things. Now when I have an adult individual or couple, a couple that is my, my client, and they're talking about their young person and the young person is not my client, then we're coming from a completely different approach, right? So then I am working with them and I'm thinking from the adult perspective and I'm, I'm validating their feelings as right. an adult and as a parent. And, um, and yes, I'm trying to give some ideas about how their young person might be feeling. I might give them some, some parenting tips and tools mm-hmm. and strategies and, and, you know, building a skill set, a, a different skill set, uh, because I've had the education background and it is different than being a parent. But, um, I, I've been through a lot of training with, you know, behavior techniques. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I've had a couple patients cause we talk about a number of things. It's, uh, obviously as a, as a practice and as a, as a practitioner that we really stress, we're, we're not here for episodic only retail type of approach. We want to get to know our patients and we, it's a generative relationship that builds over time because the more that I know you or I know my patients, I know where their, uh, what, what their hobbies are, what their aspirations are, what their struggles are, mm-hmm. the, the better I can prescribe and yes. help them um, both visually or from a protective standpoint. Um, I've had a couple parents recently that have special needs children mm-hmm. and they're teenagers and they're going through the, the teenage years, which are difficult for parents, and but now there are certain behaviors that are becoming manifest. Mm-hmm. And I looked at each of these and I, uh, parents, and I said, these are separate, and I said, who you need help with the, with your child, but who's helping you? I mean, yeah. where, what are your resources? Oh, yeah. Because there, there seem to be some behavioral therapy, mental health resources for dealing with these children's issues, mm-hmm. but are there good resources because I, I it, I'm not I'm not a professional in that and it, mm-hmm. yet it seemed to me that the, each of these individuals needs somebody they can talk to right but that somebody also has to have some understanding of maybe the complexities of a special needs child and right. you've got a lot of experience in dealing with special needs yeah. children so uh, so you you pointed out uh you know who's helping you who's helping you the parent I was I think I was talking you to a client and saying, you know, in, in this particular family, if you look at each individual, 
every individual is working from, um, from an empty vessel, right? No one has anything to pour out into the other in, in, in giving because everybody is dry. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to look at, you know, who is helping you. And that's where, um, a counselor such as myself or, or a number of resources. And I do have a treasure trove of resources. I went to a, a fair that was specifically for special needs mm-hmm. in this community. I'm, I'm trying to get to know the community, um, as best I can. So I can allow my clients information and give them information that's specific for them and their needs. Um, because I don't have all the answers there. There are so many more people that know so much more about every specific special needs issue challenge. Um, so I want to be able to let people know you can go, you know, to this nonprofit or this church or this community service and get more help and help, Hopefully I can help or counselors can help fill a parent's tank a little bit, right? So they come in and it's a safe place. It's a place of rest. We're able to learn how to tune in to your own needs. How does your stress manifest in your body? How does your stress manifest in your behavior, in your language? And how can you notice before it gets to a blow up um, moment or before you feel like you've, you've, you've lost it, how can you kind of walk it down, take a break, take a breath and, and rethink? And how can you kind of train those in your household? Like this is, this is my symbol or this is my sign for, I need to take a time out. I need to take a moment to think before a parent and even sometimes a young person goes beyond their limit and says something or does something that they know is going to be damaging. I think the way you just described that to me will resonate with some parents that right now they're going, who's who's this again and where is she? I'd like to t- I'd like to talk to her. So, <laughs> I hope so. Um, with that for today's session, this is part one of a couple of sessions that we're going to have with Shara on some topics, uh, but. For this session, I want you to know our audience, uh, I've been talking with Shara Carter. She's a licensed professional counselor and a friend of Cool Springs Eye Care. You can visit her at her practice here in Franklin by going to Shara Smile, that's S-H-A-R-A-S-M-I-L-E, on Seaboard Lane. And the best way to, to find out more or maybe perhaps schedule an appointment, get used to finding where she is and the type of things that she deals with. And I think you probably heard just in her voice and her compassion, empathy, and with her experience, she's a great, great resource by contacting her at today at gmail.com. Yes. Is that the best way that people can access you, would you say? Yeah. Emailing me is a great way to contact me. I'm pretty much your, your next door neighbor here mm-hmm. on Seaboard mm-hmm. Lane. <laughs> That's how I found you. <laughs> so if you know where Dr. Jeff is, you can find me pretty easily. Very So, um, yeah, please send me an email. So whether it's eye care or mental health care, our practice believes in providing and referring you to professionals that believe as we do in more than just good eye care, but always having a great health care experience. Cher, thank you for joining me today and providing some valuable information. This is Jeff Kegerson coming to you from Cool Springs Eye Care. This is As I See It. Join me next week and have a great week, everybody.